Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the long day of Joshua as we pick up in Joshua chapter 10, verse 8. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, I would like to suggest if you were going 60 miles an hour in your car and you brought it to a 20-minute stop, that you would hardly notice any inertia against your body at all. Now, if it should stop in eight minutes, it would be equivalent to stopping your car at 60 miles an hour in 30 seconds. You wouldn't even need your seat belts for that. So there is nothing that indicated that it came to a sudden jerky halt. God could have just put on the brakes and brought it to a stop in, say, eight or ten minutes. And again, the only way that you feel motion is by the jerks. You really don't discern motion except for the jerks in motion. Uh, you On a train, a lot of times you don't even know the train is moving until you look out the window. And then you see uh, the station gradually going by. Or on the airplane so many times, you don't know that the airplane has actually started moving until you look out and, and you see the motion outside. But you don't feel motion unless there are jerks. So God could have brought the earth to a halt in a eight, ten minute period and no one would have gone flying out in space and no one would have uh, really uh, noticed a sudden jerky stop at all. There were some articles in various magazines, there were some tracts written that some NASA scientists with a computer were uh, trying to predict the trajectory of a particular rocket and in going back in time in the computer, the computer came to a place where it found a missing day. That is not factual. That didn't happen. It's one of those stories that got widespread publicity, but there's no truth to it. However, if there was a long day, Joshua saw that it was, you know, that they needed more time to wipe out the enemy. And so he said, son, stand still. That would be sort of a quite a thing to say in the sight of all the people. I mean, you're going to look like a fool or a, a real powerful guy, one of the two. And in sound of all the people, he said, son, stand still. Now, whether or not he really was expecting it to do it or not, nevertheless, it did. For about the space of a day, giving them time to totally obliterate the enemy. Now, notice that along with this, there was a tremendous hailstorm. And that more people were killed by the hailstones than they killed with the sword. There is a very interesting book entitled Worlds in Collision by Emmanuel Vilikovsky. 
Now, his theory is that the planet Venus entered into our solar system during the period of man's history upon the earth. That planet Venus has actually come within our solar system within the last 6,000 years. That it actually made two or it made two orbits, and on the second orbit, it got fixed in its own orbit and in alignment as the planets are around the sun. It got locked into an orbit around the sun. The first time it orbited in and out, they, according to his theory, was about the time that the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. And he ties many of the plagues in Egypt to a close pass of the planet Venus to the earth. The second close pass, he times at this long day of Joshua. In fact, he accounts for the long day of Joshua as to have resulted from this near miss of the planet Venus to the earth. He believes that the earth used to rotate the opposite direction on its axis until this near pass. Now, he theorized that if there was a long day there at Joshua's time, that other places in the world there would be recorded a long night. For instance, here in America, the Indians would have recorded a long night. If there was a long day there, they'd have to be a long night here. And that in different places of the world, it would be recorded as either a long afternoon, long morning, or whatever, as it related to the time there in Joshua. So he carefully traced through the history of the Inca Indians. And sure enough, he found in their records the story of a long night over here when the sun didn't come up for the space of a whole night. And also of cataclysmic things that took place at that time. Earthquakes, tremendous storms, violent storms, and tidal waves and all. Because, of course, the earth stopping would create tremendous tidal waves by the movement of the water, would, would keep rolling faster than the earth and would create tremendous tidal waves. And he has gone through this approximate period of history and followed in the records of people around the world the stories of either long mornings, long afternoons, long nights or whatever and the cataclysmic things that took place at the same time. Now, Emmanuel Velikovsky is not a Christian. Neither is he necessarily a believer in God. He is a scientist who has a theory that the planet Venus came into our solar system during the time of recorded history and he uses the Bible as one of the proofs, this particular long day of Joshua, as one of the proofs 
But in order to use the Bible as a proof, he also follows it and proves historically that that event took place. Showing it in the records, ancient records of peoples around the world. So I like his book, not that I necessarily agree with the theory of the introduction of the planet Venus into our solar system at that particular time, and yet I'm sure open, it, it's very interesting, and I found it a very fascinating uh, to think about. But the thing that I really enjoyed is his laying out such conclusive proof for the skeptics who scoff at the idea of the sun standing still or the earth stopping on its rotation. They, those who scoff at that idea as totally impossible at all and how he proves that it was an actual historic event. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been recorded around the world in the ancient records of history such as it was. And he does a very masterful job in proving that such an event did take place in case you happen to be skeptical and need proof. But if you have a right concept of God, you don't need any proof. You can just believe it because God's Word declared it. But some people have a problem believing just because God's word declares something and they need some kind of proof, especially when you get into stories which seem to be a little incredible, uh, at least on the surface, that the guy could say, sun stands still, and it would stand still in the heavens for a whole day. So such a thing is recorded in history outside of the Bible, it is interesting that it did happen at that psychic moment when they were chasing these kings and Joshua felt he needed more daylight in order to wipe them out utterly. And so he commanded and the sun stood still in the heavens. So uh, this story of Joshua, which has brought a lot of skepticism and criticism against the Bible, as all of the miracles do, has pretty well been scientifically proven as much as you can prove anything uh, with science and historic records. So uh, you might find that book, Worlds in Collision, very fascinating. I did. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Now there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened to the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. It is, of course, his theory also that at this time the earth became tilted on its axis. There was a shift of the polar axis and now to our 23 and a third degree kind of a angle that the polar axis has in its relationship to the sun uh, which gives us actually now the ice caps in the north and in the south. And uh, he uh, has quite a bit to say about that too. So Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal, but the five kings hid themselves in a cave. And so they came and told Joshua that these five kings were hiding in the cave. So Joshua said, throw a bunch of stones over the cave, seal it up, and stand outside and guard the thing. And so 
they went ahead then, and inasmuch as these men had come out from all of these cities to fight, the cities were left pretty well defenseless at this point, so Joshua and the children of Israel started going around and they took all of the cities and the areas where uh, these people had come from in this big uh, battle against Gibeon. And they went and they took all of these cities with the exception of Jerusalem, a, a city that they did not take. Uh, but it lists the cities that they took, Lachish and uh, Hebron and so forth. And so then he ordered them to bring the, to take the rocks down and bring these kings out. And then he told some of these guys, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And so God is going to let you put your foot down on the necks of your enemies to defeat them. And uh, they then, uh, Joshua killed these kings and threw their bodies back into the cave hung them actually on five trees until evening. Then they threw their carcasses into the caves and they threw the rocks over the caves which remained there until the day that this particular book was written. And so he went ahead then and took all of these cities uh, that uh, had sent their armies out against them. Verse 42 of chapter 10 and all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Now, in verse 14 and verse 42, a declaration is that the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And Joshua returned and all Israel with him unto the camp of Gilgal. Now, there is a song later in the book of Judges that speaks of God using the stars and so forth in, in fighting for his people. There are those who call themselves theistic evolutionists. They acknowledge God in the origins, God in an ambiguous kind of a terminology, a force, a power. There was something that started the whole thing going. But once God started the whole process, once he created the universe, then he more or less stepped back. He may have created the first cell, but he stepped back and let all things sort of develop and evolve as far as life forms and all. It's known as theistic evolution. It was an attempt to harmonize evolutionary thought with the Bible, though it surely doesn't bring any real harmony with the Bible. It creates more problems than it answers. Those who teach theistic evolution are more or less those who believe in the uniformitarianism concept of our universe and of the planet Earth. There theory is pretty well described by Peter who said in the last days scoffers would arise saying where is the promise of his coming 
For since our fathers have fallen asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. The doctrine or the idea of uniformitarianism is pretty well expressed in all things continue as they were from the beginning. In other words, there aren't any real changes. No real catastrophic kind of changes. Uh, you can explain everything in the geological column and everything as far as life processes are concerned by observable phenomena today. So the idea of uniformitarianism really is in direct contrast to the Bible. You cannot be a true believer in the Bible and be a, a uniformitarian. They are sort of mutually exclusive. Now, this same fellow, Emmanuel Velikovsky, has written another book, Earth in Upheaval, in which he thoroughly, totally destroys the idea of uniformitarianism. Absolutely wipes it out with incontrovertible evidence. He has twice now sent the scientists on their ears. His first book, Worlds in Collision, created quite a furor in the scientific community because, of course, it also challenged the idea of uniformitarianism. But his second book, he attacks it directly and does a devastating job in piling up evidence that shows that things cannot be explained by a uniform pattern, that there had to be cataclysmic changes on the Earth's surface and so forth, catastrophic changes that you cannot really explain all of the phenomena by the idea of uniformitarianism. In the book, Earth in Upheaval, he gives some very solid evidence for the universal flood of Noah. Though he isn't really trying to prove the flood, he talks about the deposits of the bones of uh, various animals that have been found in the caves in England, the bones severely fractured. All of them seem to be deposited at the same time by some violent thrust. But saber-toothed tigers along with rabbits and, and all kinds of animals that are really uh, antagonistic towards each other and yet all heaved in there and crushed and broken at the same time and, and planted there. And uh, it gives uh, some powerful evidence of violent upheavals which, of course, the scriptures do testify have taken place upon the earth in various periods of history. But God intervening. Now, you see, we are prone to subconsciously think of God as far off and unrelated to the affairs of our lives. We so often think of God in a remote sense. Not of one who is actively interested in me at this moment in what I am doing. I think of God as just being out there, remote from me, sort of 
governing over the whole universe, but certainly he has no personal interest in me or in my daily problems. Now, one of the most important things that all of us need to develop is that consciousness of God's presence with us at all times, in all places, and the realization that God is vitally interested even with those just piddling little things about your life. God is concerned with you. He's concerned with those things that are worrying you. The Bible speaks about God's ear being open to the righteous. When you call unto the Lord, and God talks about not oppressing the poor, because when they cry unto me, the Lord said, I will hear, and I will surely avenge their cause. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 10 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over you as you... Go forth in the name of Jesus to bear witness of God's love and God's truth to an indifferent world. May the love of Christ so flow forth from your life that people will just be touched by God's love as you become his instrument, bearing his truth and his love to them. So God be with you and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heitzig, But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus. Hi, Peter. Raul Reese. See, it's really Jesus. Yes. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. 
It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.